Welcome back to the program, the Bill Michaels Show. We are live. We are here at Steny, Second and National, Walker's Point. And as you can see, it's cleared out quite a bit. Uh, they just had the, uh, the last call for another shuttle that's uh, getting ready to get out of here. We uh, were packed wall-to-wall a little bit earlier, but now many of the fans have made their way to American Family Field. So room has opened up. If you are out and about, maybe you made it a short day at work and you're listening to the sound of my voice and you say, you know what? Going to head to a place maybe with a bunch of fans to watch the game. This is the place to come. What I've always said is Milwaukee's best sports bar, hands down, and the kind of the cheers of Milwaukee. And uh, they have terrific food down here, uh, without a doubt, which we always enjoy. Kevin Holden, CBS 58, alongside. I'm Bill Michaels. And uh, we were sitting here talking about the rules changes. We were talking about the pitch clock. But now not only do you have the pitch clock, but you have you only allowed so many visits to the mound. You You can only throw over to first base twice now. You can't do it continuously like we've seen in the past. Uh, stolen bases are up, uh, and it's not, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, the bases being bigger, and it's cut off three inches from first to second and second to third, but it's four inches or whatever it is from, you know, home to first and home to home to third. It's not necessarily because of that. It's just becoming more predictable of when you can and can't run. There yeah, I go. think, there he is. There you go. I think, uh, I think the biggest thing is... Yeah, it's predictable because you can't throw over a bunch of times. So when that first throw over happens, a runner immediately starts to get more aggressive. And after the second throw, so what happens then is after two throws over, if you throw a third time, you have to pick him off or it's a balk. And so after two, now the runner knows that pitcher's coming home. I also think think it's going to come back to earth a little bit because I think pitchers are having to learn a lot. Because right. their whole routine is changing. Everything they do is changing with the pitch clock and everything else, right? So I think – I do think it will come back under control a little, but it is kind of surprising. Like it was – what was it? It was a jump of, of two and a half times in stolen bases in opening weekend what it was the week, the year before. Right. And, I mean, we're what talking – What did you say well, last year was 22 and this year 70? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. that's that's a significant change in the game. Right. right, it's a it's a change in it, like if that holds, catchers with strong throwing arms are are about to be back in vogue, baby. They're, yeah, they're valuable again. Benito Santiago is right? coming out of retirement, yeah. you know. Uh, it's but that's you know it, the game is going to change a, a bit with that. But yeah, these rules changes are if folks, if you have not seen a ton of this in the Cub series, if you're watching for the first time today, pay attention to a couple of things. Pitch clock is one, but but stolen bases and base runners is another because mm-hmm. it's yeah it's different it uh now now here's the next question because whenever there's a rule change or a tinkering uh such as no shift uh people start to scream well what is this going to do to the statistics and as players that come into the game today how they're going to measure it with players from the games of, of yesterday and uh, you would first thing you mentioned was if i'm ricky henderson i'm saying holy crap i might have had 200 stolen bases in a season <laughs> you know i mean <laughs> If 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 the the rule books change that significantly, or and and the statistical books change that significantly, I mean, what do you do if you're baseball? How do you you just keep forging forward? I know because the game is the game, but you know, man, if you played back in the days of we were talking about bigger ballpark ballparks yeah. too, and the ballparks have shrunk. Yeah. You look at a guy like Babe Ruth back then hitting in these cavernous places, as opposed to today, you know, which were completely different. Uh, you know, it just it. I think we just – I don't necessarily think an asterisk comes by any of this, but there's a notification to say, hey, don't forget, you know, guys like you and I can remember when, 
you know, Fulton County Stadium, Riverfront Stadium, Three Rivers Stadium, Yankee Stadium. They were all 330, 340 down the line and 365 almost uh, in the alley, in the alleys and 420 out in center field. I mean, the, the, the walls have come in by 20, 30 feet. 100%. Remember Old Tiger Stadium? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is is the, the game has changed in a lot of different ways even before the, this, this pitch clock thing began. I mean, it's, it is – it's been an evolution of the game. And there's some things about the game that I really like. I think talent in the game right now is fantastic. And I think one of the reasons why is, uh, you know, analytics are a term that, that is kind of used to mean something negative. You know, oh, analytics, it's it's mysterious or right. whatever. But the other part of what analytics has done, away from those, you know, the stats that you have to decode, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. with, a, with a slide rule or whatever. Right. You take those out. The other thing that analytics has done is it has taught coaches how to teach players to be better like the number of mm-hmm. 99 mile an hour fastballs now and hard sliders right and, and sinkers that that dip and the fact that bunting has gone away doesn't mean it's a lost art for people trying to bunt it means the pitches are that much harder to bunt against so the talent's gone way up i had a great discussion todd rosiak who you know the journal sentinel yeah. todd and i were talking last year and i was talking to him about the analytics and the inability to you know the shift was so obvious it's like just hit behind the runner or just hit behind out of the shift or drop a bunt down and one of the things that was explained and he kind of put it into a little i i still don't wholly agree with it but i understand it now and he said look it used to be you get through the starter and you got to the bullpen and you go from a guy that threw 92 93 to a guy that threw 86 87 didn't have as good at breaking stuff or change up and and you had that extra millisecond or two of time to react to figure out, okay, here comes the break. You can see the spin. Here comes the sink or whatever. And now everybody throws 95. And that millisecond or two of, of adjustment in mental adjustment are gone. You you already know what you're going to do if it's near you. And with, like you said, with the, with the spin rates, with the speed of pitch, with all the junk that's on it because of these pitching labs, mm-hmm. which the Brewers were one of the first to have, it, it's, it's not there anymore. You don't have that adjustment time. So that's the reason the rule had to become we got to get out of the shift because it's pitchers are throwing so hard, so fast, guys can't even adjust if they wanted to. They just got to do the gripping and ripping, and that's it. Yeah, and that, so that becomes what it is, right? You know, singles were taken away by the shift. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff was taken away by, by everybody hopping that threshold. And there's a study somewhere. I wish I could pull it up, but there was a study somewhere done 20 or 30 years ago that talked about I think 94 miles an hour was this threshold of like human reaction, uh-huh. where where over 94, you're you're there's a little bit of guesswork involved. Even even for elite athletes with elite reaction times, yeah. 94 was like this threshold. And like you say, everybody is throwing that now. Yeah. Throwing 95 plus. It used to be bullpens. What bullpens used to be was a collection of guys who couldn't start for you for different reasons. Too old. Only one good pitch. Uh, you know, better against one side, but bad against right. the other. And it was the manager's job to fix that to situations. It's not really how it works anymore. Those are those arms in the bullpen are basically trained to throw as hard as they can or with as much spin as they can for 10 or 15 or 18 pitches, and then right. they're done. It's not about a lack of skill. It's just about, you know, you only throw 97 as opposed to your closer throws 101. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, that. It, if I remember somewhat of the study you're talking about because they were also talking about the premier age of baseball players between 27 and 30 
like 27, 28, 29 being the apex of your career where your hand-eye coordination and your physical ability begin to kind of crisscross, where your knowledge of pitches and such continues to rise, but yet your actual physical timing and your ability to react begins to go down. And, and then they were talking about the 94-mile-an-hour threshold. and what It's just so amazing, the studies of what you can and can't do and what the body can and can't do in a minuscule second of time in the game of baseball, which is why we've become and, – and for just those that are sitting there listening to this, you're probably your eyes are rolling back in your head right now. <laughs> but that's what it is. That's the analytics of baseball. It is. And, and these days, when you talk about analytics, it's not these, these weird numbers anymore. Like if it's about player development, what they're measuring is – uh, the, uh, you know, the spin rate, the amount of spin on a pitch or the amount of break on a pitch. Let's say you're throwing a breaking ball. Well, they can tell you this has 9.7 inches of break. They can go that specific. Yeah. And they say, well, all right, that's enough to throw a hitter off. And, and what it does, it comes back to the pitcher and says, okay, throw more of these. Or mm-hmm. don't throw this pitch because you're not fooling hitters. Like, it's, it's more than just the eye test now. Right. There's a scientific element to it. And it, as you say, the Brewers were – one of the forerunners of it, and they're one of the better teams in the league at executing it. Yeah, no doubt, which makes Craig Council one of the better managers when it comes to the use of analytics because I have said for years, you talk about a guy that gets the most out of a team that may not have the same amount of talent, same level as many other teams throughout Major League Baseball, and I know fans will get pissed for a move or that move, and he pulls pitchers too early and whatever, but he's one of the best manipulators of the analytics to your favor to have that winning record as a small market team in all of baseball, and I don't think he gets enough credit for it. He is the longest tenured manager in the National League now. Is that not crazy? That's bananas. And and there's two reasons. You, you hit on the first one right on the head, which is his ability to use the, the information and the data with him to make this team work in all situations, one through nine, first inning through ninth inning. That's half of it. But he's also a player's manager. And it used to be back in the day, you had somebody who was a player's manager. They liked playing for him, and that was the, the extent of it. But this guy has the smart part and the player's coach right. part, and that's how he stuck around so yeah, long. It's, it's, we were talking about that earlier, about the clubhouse sense. And when you talk about a guy like Craig Council, first of all, he's not so far removed from playing that he forgets what it's like. But he's always been a guy that, you know, I, I remember back in the days with Ken Maka. I would sit down with Ken, and I would, I would ask him questions. Because I, he would drive me nuts. <laughs> but when I sat with Ken, I then understood. I didn't agree with it, but I understood where his thinking or his logic was coming from, and there was just a difference of opinion there. With Craig, he not only has an open-door policy, because a lot of guys didn't go into Ken Maka's office. Right. He would send somebody out to talk to you. Where Craig's in the clubhouse. He's sitting on the couch with the guys. You know, And, and for those that don't know, in the middle of the clubhouse, there's this big like pit of couches where guys can sit around and play cards, they can watch TV, they've got uh, the luxuries of maybe home, a home setting, because they're in that that setting so much. Craig will come out and sit on the couch with the guys and be BSing with them, as opposed to, you know, guys that I've seen in the past, Garner and Lopes and and Ken Maka, and you start to go through that group, and they all sat in the office, or they sat in the back room with the other coaches. They didn't sit with the players. Council still sits with the guys. He's still one of the guys. Doesn't hurt that he looks like he's 31 years old. Yeah, either. right. Yeah, like that. That still blows my mind. Right. Like, how? What's he doing? What, right. What's I have What's no causing idea. that? Because I, I want I want some of whatever yeah, that is. I think he just freezes himself in the off season. <laughs> Stays, stays young that way or something like that. I, I have no idea what Council is doing because he just he just looks way too freaking good. And, uh, well, then again, he's, he's – but he got by in such like a, a scrapper's talent. You know, yep. I, I was saying this. Somebody asked me the other day, said if you could name some really good managers that were players. I said, you know, Tommy Lasorda was a really good manager but not a great player. Right. Uh, 
Sparky Anderson, the same, one of the best managers in all of, foot, all of baseball. When you look at Council, he was a scrappy player. And when you talk to him as a player, he kept saying, well, you need to know the situation. You need to use your mind. You need to be able to understand, you know. And I remember doing those interviews with him. And even when he was playing with the Marlins, uh, you know, I always get that, quote, hometown interview every now and then. And I talk to Craig. And he talked a lot about, you know, understanding the game and the situation and what this guy throws and what this guy does. And, you know, going into that World Series that they end up winning down there for Miami. And I, you, you always thought, well, maybe one day if he ever decides to become a manager or work on a staff, he'll be a guy that, you know, can pass along some of that knowledge. You just never thought that he'd be able to expound upon it to this level. Because a lot of times what happens with players, especially players who have some success at the big league level, is you become ingrained in this thought process. Because mm -hmm. if there's a sport on earth that doesn't like new, it's baseball. Yeah. And so some of those guys come through. Like I, Nothing against the managerial skill of Ken Maka. I thought he was a pretty good manager. But, but Ken Maka was from an old school, and yeah. you knew it. And, and the thing about Council was... He, he understood the game really well, but he also understood the parts of the game that could be broken down and evolved and mm -hmm. changed as new comes in. Because the, the thing, here's the thing, we, you know, we talk about putting baseball as a product that young people will watch. Mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think we phrase it wrong. We want baseball as a sport that young people can play. Right. That's what's happening here. These guys are all in their 20s and early 30s, and some into their mid-30s relatively young in the in the grand scheme of things you want to make the game work for them for their mm -hmm. skill set right. and council has taken the game of his era and transformed it to something that works for their era that's that's a huge success we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back and continue the discussion talking to baseball we'll talk about a lot of different stuff brewers game has gotten underway early on and uh the Mets are just coming to the plate, so uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as the game moves on as well. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Master Z's on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield. Call them 262-746-5931. And whether it's outside, which right now everybody's looking at uh, fire pits, they're looking at new patio furniture, Adirondack chairs around the fire pit, uh, outdoor bars and such, uh, everything and anything for your patio, they have it. But indoors, they have pool tables, they have shuffleboards, they have a lot of table games and accessories Anything you need from pool cues to darts, they have it. Check out. And high-quality stuff, too, by the way. I always say this. People come from all over the state just to go to Master Z's on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield because the showroom is so huge, so many ideas, so many things that they carry. And the best part about it is you can see it today and have it tomorrow. See it today and have it tomorrow. That is Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield. That's our friends at Master Z's. Call them 262 746 5931. More of the Bill Michael Show live here at Stenny's on Brewers Opening Day coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. you back welcome back we are broadcasting live we're at stenny's at second and national walkers point uh, downtown milwaukee brewers baseball is underway the home opener we've been here all morning and uh, the crowd started lining up to get into this place doors open up at 10 about 9 30 they started lining up by the time the doors opened it was uh, a line of 30 40 people down the street and it's been pretty steady all day long now the majority of the crowd that had packed this place earlier to the point that it was standing room only has taken the shuttles and they've gone over to American Family Field where the Brewers and the Mets just got underway. The rest 
have pretty much uh, stuck around and stayed here with us. Kevin Holden from CBS 58 alongside. And uh, we are just kind of sitting here watching a game, as many of you probably are. And to all of you listening and or watching, thanks for hanging out with us. We certainly appreciate it. Enjoy the game, and hopefully you enjoy the program as well. Uh, we're, we're talking about pitch clocks. And one of the other things I noticed over the weekend, Kevin, was the fact that uh, um, the strike zone has been very sporadic, to say the very least. Even by big league standards, yes. it's it's, uh, it's a little bizarre right now. I My thought on it is that no, people are out of habit still, right? You, you start a regular season, and, and especially these folks that have done it for 10, 15, 20 years or more, they, they have a routine. And their routine changes too because they have to pay attention to pitch clock violations. Is the hitter in the box in time? Is the pitcher set? Are they looking at each other? Um, it is, I imagine it's right now, difficult to do that and still call you know right on those the corner strikes I, I you know i think that's probably what's happening and i think that's another one of those things like steals that'll get better once the habits are there i sure hope so because you know baseball's in a in a real rule change happy mindset and yeah. if you're an ump i don't think you want that to end up costing you your job and have you replaced by a robot you know what i mean right because the the Band-Aid's off for rule changes right now. Right. So if the if the, if the the umps were really bad this year, it might be time to start having that conversation. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of pitches that, uh, is, um, that have been low and away, low and inside, outside of that box that have been called strikes. But uh, on the other side, they have had quite a few of them that have been strikes that have been called balls in the lower corners. And... It's, I mean, granted, we're talking, you know, just a judgment call of inches here, but, you know, there's been a lot of questionable calls that, if again, you're talking about the rating system that, what is it, Quiz Tech, I think is what it was? Right. Years right. ago, Quiz Tech? Yeah. Quiz Tech gives you the rating system of balls that, uh, that are called balls and strikes, and if you don't measure up to a certain level, then uh, it can cost you postseason, obviously, if you're an umpire, and you don't have that ability to then, you know, get, garner that additional funding by doing it in the postseason, so... Uh, Christian Yelich leads off with a swing and a miss and uh, strike three, unfortunately. So the Brewers one up and one down in the bottom right now. But uh, but have, there you have it as the game's underway. Yes. Have you ever seen – I'm trying to find it here. It's it's like they have umpire scorecards now. There, and, there's like a, a, a Twitter site that yeah, does it, right? Right there. Yeah. Like that. that's a fantastic – the one that I just happened to pull up is Alex Tosi in a, in a game on June 30th last year, Phillies over the Braves, just a random yeah. one I picked up. But it shows missed calls, and in this case he had one. One, right. one ball that was in the zone that he called a ball. Uh, then there was – they talked about impactful missed calls. That was that one pitch. But he was at 99% accuracy in this yeah. game. This was last year. Right, right. So I, these are going to be really interesting. That Twitter account is uh, at ump scorecards. At ump, ump scorecards, yeah. yeah. I think I actually follow that if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's worth it. And I think, I, I think to your point, the, the next weeks after this first one, once we're right. settled in, you start to see those things change. Certain umpires, they're going to end up as the better ones in the game. Uh, we were talking earlier about the monetary situation of Major League Baseball, and I had mentioned that I heard Rick Schlesinger earlier today, and the question started to come up about the money in baseball and is it detrimental and does it matter and this and that. And then, um, you know, obviously when you talk about, you know, big names that change clubs for hundreds of millions of dollars, and the first thing he said, and I thought they were trying to kind of softball it up there to say, yeah, does it really matter? You guys are scouting. You're playing really well. He's like, no, it matters it, it, big time. 
And he talked about the, the room for error or the lack thereof. You look at a guy like, you know, Christian Yelich, $29 million a year. He was paid to hit home runs and drive in runs and such, and he was one of the best hitters in baseball, most feared hitters in baseball. He's been diminished to next to nothing, and that's, that's the guy you're paying all the money to. You can't afford to go out and pay more money. So I know that the Players Association earlier this year said they will never, ever accept a salary cap. Is there ever going to come a time where enough of the minor baseball franchises, the Cincinnati's, the Pittsburgh's, the Kansas City's, the Milwaukee's, get together, the A's get together and say, look, we can't do this anymore. Even with revenue share, we can't do this sustainably anymore. We have got to come together. Or will New York or the New York's or the L.A.'s, will they even listen? Yeah, well, there's and, and that divide is going to be the big divide of the next. It has been the big divide of the last 20 years. It's going to be the big divide of the next 20 years. I think you're exactly right that the small market teams eventually are going to have to address this because the way I've always looked at the, the economics of baseball was the numbers are sort of staggering to us, to the common folk. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, wow, this person has two commas and three digits on the other end of right. that second comma. Are you kidding me? But I always said this. It was sustainable if the sport itself was sustainable if it was earning income if teams were making money if that was sort of thing was going on then what you know dollars out or equaling dollars in the the problem that just happened that's going to have a profound effect on this game is bally sports and the bankruptcy right because you're talking about billions of dollars that were owed to teams by bally and by their by their parent corporation which maybe we won't get into naming parent corporations right, right. you guys can research it yeah. uh but Valley Sports and their parent company bellied up on several billion dollars worth of stuff. Right. So now every team has to figure out not only how to get their games on the air properly, which so far that's been okay post-bankruptcy, but they're not getting that money. Right. And I'm surprised that Valley is still keeping the logo. Because wasn't Major League Baseball supposed to take over those broadcasts? I thought so, too. I, in fact, I had heard, and, and uh, I, we could talk a little rumor here, I had heard that pregame and postgame shows were in jeopardy when this bankruptcy first started yeah and i don't know if that's still the case uh but again if you're if you're the brewers if you are if you're the texas rangers not a small market club but you just put 80 bajillion dollars into like six guys yeah. and now your tv money that you were depending on isn't coming to you the right. cardinals are in this spot they're in a tight yep. spot with money uh so that's where i think this this changes is right now the haves in baseball the dodgers and the yankees and the cubs have not just uh, games being broadcast. They have entire networks. Yeah, they have their whole network, yeah. And and that, the difference between that and this, where as a Brewers fan, you get Bally Sports, but this is, there's very little about this that's from here. Your right, announcers right. are from here, and that's it, Yeah. right? The rest of what's on that channel has not come from Wisconsin. Correct. So that's not a moneymaker for the Brewers outside of the broadcast. Right. That's where the, the, the divide is and where it's going to be an issue. Yeah, I, uh, and, and I, I kind of heard the same thing about the pre- and the post-game shows. Oh, yeah? You, know, you start to look at guys like Craig Sean and such. Yeah. And you say, look, they're paid by Bally's. They're not Brewers employees, as far as I know. Uh, now, there are some contracts that are different. I know, like, Euchre is an employee of the Brewers. I know that uh, Lane Grindle is, I think, a, an employee of the Brewers. Yeah. I think a lot of that is. But the broadcasters are with the Brewers. The surrounding stuff is not. Right. Um, so, yeah, and it, 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 even with uh, teams like the Bucks, another team that is dependent upon Bally's. But you look at Pittsburgh is, Cincinnati is. Uh, and uh, St. Louis and the Brewers all are. The only one isn't is the marquee network with the Cubs. Right. So you look at those five teams, those four teams out of the five-team five division, they're, they're not getting the money. 
Now, I know baseball said that they would make up uh, a portion and or all the payments for a season, but you're looking at another company that you need to come in, swoop in, and start to do these broadcasts. And that was based around what they thought the, the, the could be pulled in two or three or four or five years ago. So whatever, I mean, I think the pandemic probably is your right. biggest factor there, but the fact that that money's not there means this. Everybody that's approaching free agency this offseason, if teams don't know where their money's coming from, right. those free agents aren't going to get money. And so the economics of salaries are about to take a dip unless they fix this yeah. uh, bankruptcy situation. Yeah, and then I, I, I go back to the original question, and that is do they ever – you know, the sticking point has always been the Players Association said, we don't want a salary cap, but if we decide to take it, we want to see your books. We want to see the owners, what you're actually making. We want to know, you know, because we know the estimated value, and Forbes does this whole breakdown of all these teams and what they make, and there's a general revenue, you know, balance sheet that comes along with it. But you don't totally know, you know. And the owners is like, no, you're, we're, we're not going to open the books. And the teams or, or the players are like, well, then we're not going to take it. And here's the other thing. The owners didn't want, if I'm the owners, I want a salary floor. I don't want to see a Mets team spending $320 million and you got a team like uh, the uh, Oakland A's right now that are spending 45. Right. You know, that's another. And by the way, I talked to somebody over the weekend, a guy that lives in San Francisco, is an A's fan, and he's high up media wise. He said it's a foregone conclusion the A's will be in Vegas. Wow. He said it, it is 100%. He said the council, the city council in Oakland, is, to use his words, is so effed up. <laughs> they can't agree on anything, they, they act like they just don't care. And the A's have basically said, this is it. You, you give us a, a legitimate proposal or we're going to start looking elsewhere. And they've already got Vegas knocking on their door saying, we'll build a stadium. Oh, yeah. We can do it. We'll build a stadium. It's, I mean, what a different, uh, different situation. If they're in Oakland, they want to try to move. There was something in Jack London Square in Oakland that would have been a perfect site. But like you said, the council couldn't get they it together. They couldn't get it together. They can't go to San Jose because the Giants are claiming San Jose as their territory. Right. The Giants have a single A. This is this is crazy baseball stuff. The Giants have a single A affiliate in San Jose. And that's why they're claiming, like, San Jose is our territory. Right. This stadium is like, if you stuck something on a corner across the street over yeah. here, you know what I mean? It's like, a tiny little joint. I think it fits like, a, you know, 1,500 people maybe. Like it's, right. like it's nothing, right? And, they, and that is where, why this claim to that area. So Oakland doesn't have San Jose. They can't sort out Oakland. So it makes a lot of sense. In Vegas, I mean, look, it's 2023. We know what the legalized stuff, the legalized yeah. sports betting and that sort of thing. Vegas is just full boom it was only a matter of time because that that stigma has been removed and by the way that's a great topic of conversation because literally you can watch mlb network now and see betting lines on the screen over yeah. unders and pluses and yeah. minuses this is the same sport that banned pete rose and hasn't changed that yet. Right, yeah and that was another topic of conversation we got into that um well, you know what? Let's do this. we got a break coming up. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We're broadcasting live at Stenny's. Brewers right now scoreless down at American Family Field as they are taking on the uh, the New York Mets. And we'll get back into this when we come back. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michaels Show. A couple more segments yet to go down here. Second and National Walker's Point. We'll be right back. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Welcome back to the program, and we are broadcasting live. We're at Steny, second to National, Walker's Point, and uh, the Brewers game is underway, and today it is, I, I'll tell you what, if you've been watching the program all day and uh, you have paid attention to when uh, Chuck Freeman got here and the line was out the door and the shuttle buses started running and you, you didn't have a spot to move in this place, now you look at how many fans <laughs> have gone to the actual game with the shuttle buses running. I tell you, it's amazing. They roll the tables, people come in, they come out, and it went from being three, four, five hundred people in this place down to maybe 20. And uh, with a few fans that are here watching the game, but everybody else headed over to American Family Field to catch it or just to be a part of the tailgating in the parking lot, which has become so traditional with Brewers baseball. Kevin Holden from CBS 58 alongside. I'm Bill Michaels. And uh, we're glad you're here today. We were sitting here talking about uh, betting and, and about the Pete Rose thing. And I understand it. I, I have said all along, I, and a lot, a lot of me agrees with a lot of people. And I told the story earlier. And so for the new audience that maybe is coming in, my first couple weeks here, uh, I'm on the air. I'm doing it with the flagship station. And uh, that topic comes up. People knew I was from Cincinnati and said, well, what do you think? And I kind of went through my dissertation, and I said there's something that tells me there's more to all of this than meets the eye. And, uh, but it was a whole, almost a whole show on whether he did or didn't belong in, in the Hall of Fame. And uh, I got a call from Bud was listening uh, when Bud was the commissioner and his secretary, uh, uh, Mary Burns, God love Mary, she called and said, you know, Mr. Seelig would like to see you. And I thought, oh, crap. You know, oh, my goodness, you know. Uh, Bud wants to see me down in the office back when it was at the U.S. Bank building down here. Yeah, yeah. And that day, I'll never forget, I walked in, and there's Joe Buck and the Fox crew, which they're there to do an interview. Bud made them wait for two hours. Oh, wow. While he sat down and talked to me. That's great. And gave the whole Dow report right there. Here you go. It's as thick as the Bible. Yeah. And uh, explained to me basically what's in it. He knew what page to turn to and everything. And Bart Giamani was his very good friend. Uh, Pete, they had so much on, so much evidence. And Pete refused to admit. They basically gave him, if I had to put it into my guesstimation, the Paul Horning deal. Go away for a year. You know, we'll bring you back. Just go, just admit it and go away. Yep. And Pete never would. Yeah. And Pete would publicly beat up Giamani, and Giamani was getting peppered by the press and the stress of all of that back and forth and Reds fans hating Giamani. And, you know, it just it got so ugly and so stressful that Bud believes that part of that stress or the stress is what ultimately gave Giamani the heart attack, and it killed him. Wow. Uh, but Bud and Giamani were extremely good friends. Rob Manfred is Bud's hand-picked guy. Bud told me for as long as he has breath, Pete Rose will not be in the Hall of Fame mm -hmm. because of all of that. Because all he had to do was say, this is what I did. They had him dead to rights. And it would be like, uh, you know, today suddenly outlawing Tylenol and all of us are arrested for taking Tylenol years ago. Right. You know? uh, it, it, it's hard to go back and say, in that period of time, we're going to forgive you for that crime because that crime's no big deal today when that crime was a huge deal back then. Yeah. You know, so uh, as much as we talk about now, Potawatomi has a sports book less than a mile away from, you know, American Family Field, you know, which is, is only three miles away from really from the Pfizer Forum and everything. So I don't think as much as I feel like Pete would, would at this point in time in today's day and age probably deserves to go in. So does Hugh Joe. Yeah. You know, 
But I, I just don't think that he's going to get that opportunity anytime soon. I think if he ever gets inducted, it'll probably be posthumously. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, th I think that probably is the way this shakes out because, and there, there is part of this too, uh, and, and I get it. MLB Network has these you know, betting lines on the screen, and you and you can place these anywhere now. Basically, you know, there's some states where it's literally wide open, and somewhere you just drive across the border and it's wide open. You know, into Illinois or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the thing that baseball wouldn't want is let's and, and I'm I'm throwing a crazy scenario out there. Don't think I'm you know reading into anything with this. I'm just going to throw this out there. Brewers player is you know, involved in a scuffle or arrested or whatever, and it's at Potawatomi and he's hanging around the sports book. Right. That would still be a major problem for baseball yes. if that if that happened. Even even with the legal sports betting, the conduct of the athlete is still still gonna be an important thing. So I, I guess that's the other other half of it that, you know, you don't you don't want to make it it's fine that it's normalized out there in the public, but you don't want to make it a normalized thing for your athletes because right. then it's an issue. Yeah, I think even, you know, with the NBA wanting to put kiosks into the arenas, you know, and, and you're eventually going to have a baseball team and an NBA team in Vegas. You know they're going to get it eventually. Right. They've got enough money to be able to back it and support it, and there's so much discretionary. I mean, you look, you already got an NHL team. That's won a championship in their in their inaugural season. Now we they're not going to win that with Davis out there with the, the Raiders by any stretch. But uh, they love the Raiders and they do get quite a contingent that comes over from California to watch those Raider games. And it's been great for that uh, great for that atmosphere, great for that city. And all you got to do is look. They got a Super Bowl next year. They're already running ads on CBS, which I'm sure you know right. for the Super Bowl for next year. Which are you going, by the way, now that CBS is going to be a part of that next season? Well, so it, not only is it CBS, it's also Super Bowl 58. Yes. So as in uh, Correct. my channel oh, number. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, that's, that's what I'm going to push. The, the 58th on 58. Yeah. Okay. That's now, what I'm going to push. I see you working it. Okay. I was yeah. The day that last Super Bowl ended, I said, oh, 364 days until Super Bowl 58 on CBS right. 58 to try to get that, that wave going. 58 on 58. I yeah. don't do promotions, but sometimes I try to start them. Some, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with throwing as You know, it's, it's sometimes people that do promotions, they want it to be their idea. Yeah. And you always say, you know, this is Super Bowl 58. It's going to be on our channel. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then they go, oh, what about 58 on 58? Oh, that'd be great. And going, oh, I just spoon-fed it to you. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. I am the puppet master. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's. Do you know how many times in our world that happens? Oh, like stations all the time. across the country? All the time, yeah. All you got to do is make them think it's yeah. their idea, and you're golden. I had a program director that used to do it. Like, he would, he would put together great ideas that were stolen. You know, so I would always walk in and say, what do you think of this? And I would do the idea, but I would tweak it stupid. And he'd say, no, that won't work, but this will. And I'd get exactly what I wanted out of it. I, I, I swear to God, I'd get exactly what I wanted out of it because it had to be his idea. And then when, when it was a success, I will have already given the idea to people before I went in to see him. So everybody knew what I wanted. And then he would come out and pontificate about, I thought of this, and we, you know, we had a meeting, and we put our heads together. And it's like, shut the hell up. <laughs> your head was in your ass until I pulled it out and gave you an idea to run with, and you just happened to make the right decision. But that's moron. on the inside. On the outside, you smile, and you go, Oh, hey, I smiled great. and nod, and I high-fived everybody walking down the hall. <laughs> you know, going, I told you, you just go over there. If you got an idea, you know, just go over there and tell them, you know, and then make it stupid. <laughs> but he'll end up tweaking it back the way that it sounds really good, and then you can walk away with your idea. I said, but write it down so we know to give you credit for it don't let him walk in and take the credit and then we don't know but 
I think we've all worked for people like that. <laughs> going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to wrap things up. We are broadcasting live. We're at Steny's second and National Walkers Point. Uh, look for the new one in Lake Country to come sometime in the fall. Sometime in the fall. I know that uh, the construction and all that kind of stuff has been relatively slow, but it's going to be there right on Watertown Road out in Pewaukee. So love me some Steny's out in my neck of the woods as well. Stay tuned. We'll wrap it up next to the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. Final segment of the Bill Michaels Show as uh, we continue on. We're broadcasting live at Stenny's second and National Walker's Point. Been here all day and wanted a terrific opening day. I mean, I know the crowd here has, uh, has really, really thinned, but that's because everybody went down to the ballpark. Everybody's hanging out down at uh, down at American Family Field now, which is absolutely fantastic. So uh, good stuff from a lot of good people. And uh, obviously from uh, all of our friends uh, at Stenny's, they say thank you so much for being a part of the program and, uh, and you know, coming down here and supporting uh, this local business as well. But uh, just great stuff. And thanks to, the, to uh, Chuck Freeman, who was down here a little bit earlier. Freems came down, hung out with us. Thanks to Kevin Holden, CBS 58, sitting alongside me. And uh, watching some uh, Brewers baseball right now as they chit-chat with Mark Atanasio, the owner, principal owner of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Um, Mark is a good guy, and I'm glad he bought the team, and he's done a lot of wonderful things, but he's not cool at all. <laughs> they just said, because he's sitting right behind home plate, and he went, oh, I must be in the front row. You know, it's like, oh, God, just don't. don't. <laughs> Don't ever do it again. Just, uh, you you got to stop. So he's he's got a, he's got a lane, and it's a very very good lane. Yes, but he's outside it when he yes. does that. Yes, very much so. Uh, I'm going to make one one. Uh, there is some obvious people that usually are sitting behind home plate that are not. Oh, I wonder if they changed uh, changed seats or didn't renew. Speaking of front rows, yeah, uh, really. Just an FYI, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to go take something. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if. I mean, look, opening day is a weird one, right? Because yeah. there's a million people tailgating the parking lots. Everything moves slower. Sometimes you, you, if you have stuff going on and you don't get in, yeah. sometimes right away. But it's the third inning. Like, this yeah. ain't Dodger Stadium. No, no. You should be in by now. No, everybody's pretty much in there. I mean, uh, that was brought up on the live stream. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I notice a little bit. But, you know, I, I don't – that's not necessarily what I'm looking for when I'm watching Brewers games. But people were asking. So, I, I – like I couldn't tell you, to be honest with you. So yeah, anyway, for sure, Bill. That, that being said, you know, right, Ben? Thank you very much. Ben in my ear going, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am too busy at Dunham's looking for the sale on Crocs, Ben. Just an FYI. You said you weren't going to bring it up today. <laughs> I didn't bring it up. Yeah, you got a shot. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> um, so before we get out of here, um, obviously the, the Brewers season is underway, and hopefully they win again today. But what was uh, kind of your prediction at the beginning of the season? For for the yeah win wise. wins, I said eighty three. I I think they're going to be uh, maybe even 86, 87. Uh, but now this is the optimistic side of me. This is the side that that says Corbin Burns is a smooth situation and it doesn't affect the rotation right. or anybody else. I, I that's that would be my bet. If that doesn't happen, they it could it could really go soup to nuts. I um I, I said eighty three wins, which you know may or may not happen. I certainly hope it's more than that. I would love to see them get to 90. Um, I think 83 will not put you in the postseason. I think 83 will probably put you maybe third in this division. Uh, I think it's going to be a battle between them, probably the Cubs. Cincinnati may steal a few, and Pittsburgh may steal a few, but I think it's between them and the Cubs for second. The Cardinals clearly seem like they're the best team 
in the division, but you never know when you got a bunch of younger talent and that different enthusiasm in the clubhouse. And they tend to take things a little bit less uh, personal than veterans do. Veterans, you get a couple of losses, and veterans start to get mad. Young guys are like, ah, no big deal. We'll just keep 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 plugging away and, and get the job done. So, uh, I, but I think 83 is probably fair. It's you know it, it's realistic based on where this team stands offensively. They've got a chance to to do some things on offense. They're not going to be a league leader offensively. They mm-hmm. just won't. Uh, Burns and Woodruff are going to help pave over uh, some of those potholes. Like I think Burns and Woodruff make sure that you know you don't end up under 500. Right. That, that would be a disaster you know if that were to happen with those two pitchers at the front end but yeah they how they scrap for wins how they handle extra innings and one run games and long slumps in the summer <clears throat> is going to be yeah. the, the base of whether they make the playoffs or not the uh how much do you think the the lack of a shift now not just benefits of brewers but benefits baseball it's that it was probably of all of the rule changes it was the one change i wish hadn't had to be legislated I still mm-hmm. believe that that could have been fixed naturally if more people were Matt Carpenter yeah. and just went the other way. But we talked about this earlier that 99-mile-an-hour sinkers aren't exactly easy to hit right. like that. So right. I, so that I get. I think I think it raises the batting average a few points. I think it's a little nod back to the older crowd that's losing stuff with the with the pitch clock and spin rates and different right. analytics. It's a little bit of a nod back. Like we're going to we're going to kind of knock off this weirdness in the infield. Uh, I, I don't know about individually. Some players will benefit. Christian Yelich is a good spray hitter who could benefit from it. Right. There's probably a few brewers, but I don't see a lot of guys changing philosophy, the other, really. The other question is, uh, Christian Yelich at the plate now has not had a lot of success early on other than being able to get on base via the walk. Uh, the swing and a miss continuously, again, goes down on strikes here. Um, I, you know, the 18-and-a-half number came out early for home runs. It's sin- since then sunken back to 16, I think, is what the number was. But I took the under for the 18-and-a-half. Um, it just seems like just the launch angle and the power rates are gone. It's, it's, he's not 18-19 Yelich, and I don't know if that if that guy's back ever. And, that, and that's the problem is if Christian Yelich was a 310 hitter with 18 homers, mm-hmm. he's a productive guy on your baseball team. But no one will ever think of it that way because of the contract, the money that he's earning, the pressure that's on him, right? right. That's the tough part is that he could be a very good baseball player and be looked at as a very bad baseball player just because of his deal. I, uh, which I completely agree with because um, you, you look at the money that's being pitched to, or paid to him. I shouldn't say pitched, but paid to actually paid to him. And that becomes somewhat of an albatross yeah. on a small market team like the Brewers if he's not putting up the numbers that got him the contract. Now, I, do I expect him to hit 324 and 44 home runs? No. Yeah. But if he could hit you 285, you know, hit you 25 home runs and drive in 75 to 80, that's making the money, especially in today's day and age. But not even close to that, not right now. No, and, and the on-base percentage can bail things out, especially if they put him at the top of the order. But you saw what he did. He cut it a 2-2, looked like a slider that, that yeah. dipped down and in way out of the strike zone. Yeah. That's that's not a veteran hitter's move with two strikes. And if that happens all year, he's in trouble. So what do you got coming up via Telemundo? First broadcast is this Sunday, April 9th okay. uh, against the Cardinals. So we're doing 13 this year, 13 uh, Sunday home games with me and Jaime. We, we still have a rule. We have two rules. One is we all have to have ice cream okay. before the broadcast. I like the rule. Like yeah, the rule. That's, that's important. Hey, is that a run on the Brewer, board? Brewer, Brewers just plated their first run. Look at that. Jesse Winker with an opposite field uh, dink 
base always, hit that brings in uh, the runner Terang. Always a good hitter yeah. in America. Terang, by the way, gets on first, steals second, yep. comes home on the base knock. So, again, a run created without the benefit of a homer. Right. Anyway, the, the other rule is uh, minimum three cups of coffee. There are two things that make my Spanish better. <laughs> One, they don't recommend I do in the booth, you know, little yeah. little, suds, oh, yeah, little yeah. adult beverages. Yeah. I can speak great Spanish after some beers, right? but they don't like that, so yeah. we go coffee. That, which would be cerveza. Cerveza, there that's you right. Go. Look at Good you. Stuff. Yeah, well, I learned a few things in Spanish. I learned cerveza and then baños. That's a, the, the two things I needed to know they the go most. Hand in hand. You know, other than burrito, I'm good, you know. <laughs> Kevin, it's always a pleasure, buddy. I appreciate it Thanks, so much. Bill. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, and uh, all of our friends down here at Stenny's, Ryan and Jerry and everybody, LJ who got us in here early, all the staff and management that were not only here but all the fans that came in to say hello as well. It's been a hell of an opening day. Brewers uh, now are leading one to nothing. And we're sitting here watching this team bat at the bottom of the third. And thanks to everybody listening for all all throughout the great state of Wisconsin and all the Brewers Nations. It's been a hell of a Brewers opening a day. Hopefully, uh, and uh, tomorrow we'll have a lot to talk about. you got the national title game coming up tonight. Go UConn. you got the, the results of this Brewers game coming up as well. And whatever else happens, we'll find out. But uh, that being said, Brewers opening day has been a wild success. Time for us to get out of here. Have a go. Toop.